This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Second and final hour here on 630 Chat Inside Sports for this Thursday evening. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins. Reed, uh, tonight uh, at a speaking engagement, a little spaghetti fundraiser for the uh, AAA men's uh, midget hockey team. Of course, Reed, uh, if you don't know, spent seven years working in Lloyd Minster and uh, really uh, cut his teeth there and uh, dug some roots and uh, or planted some roots there and. Uh, the Wilkie you see today is probably the, uh, you know, the, it, we can blame Lloyd. Lloyd is a big reason why Wilkie is the way Wilkie is today. So there you go. Uh, let's do a scoreboard update. And uh, we'll start in the National Hockey League where there's two games going on right now. 1-1, Hurricanes and Canadians. They're at the end of the second period of play. Bruins and Senators, they are tied at 1 as Mark Stone has picked up his fifth goal of the season. They're late in the second period. Just two games on tap today in the National Hockey League because of American Thanksgiving. Right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are putting the boots to the Indianapolis Colts uh, so far, end of the first quarter. It is 14-0 Pittsburgh over Indy. Earlier today, Detroit with their seventh fourth quarter comeback of the season. They're in first place in the NFC North as they beat the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 16-13 to in a great game in Dallas. The Redskins and the uh, Washington Redskins, the Cowboys, they improved to 10-1 and on the season. 31-26 was the final over the Washington Redskins. Kirk Cousins over 400 yards passing. First Redskins uh, quarterback to pass for two 400-yard passing games in one season. Grey Cup 104 is in Toronto. We'll head to, uh, down to Toronto. Uh, the awards are going on right now. Uh, Justin Medlock has won special teams player of the, or most outstanding special teams player. Uh, he set a CFL record for field goals. Uh, so, so far the Stampeders have taken two awards already. DeVaris Daniels most outstanding rookie and Derek Dennis most outstanding offensive lineman. Right now we go to Arizona. Oilers trying to keep uh, their good role going. They've won three straight. They'll try to win four straight. 5.30 is the pregame show. Uh, the face-off show. 7 o'clock is the drop of the puck from the Gila River Arena. Bob Stoffer uh, will be there for that call and he joins us now. Hey Bob. Hey Dave how you doing? My apologies for uh, screwing you up by 25 minutes. Not a problem. Were you enjoying a little American Thanksgiving festivities? Uh, well, yes, and uh, we're going to enjoy a little bit more a little bit later on. But All right. Well, I, w- I won't keep uh, you too terribly long. Uh, no, it's it's good. Hey, what happened to the Eskimos? What happened to the Eskimos? Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Um, the weather, they did not handle it very well. 
And by the time they were able to handle it very well, it was too late. I'll just say that in a nutshell. Um, I wonder if the conditions were a little bit more, um, you know, not as snowy and not as windy, if the uh, tables kind of would evened up a bit, but you can't use that as an excuse. The conditions were what they were. So, uh, and they faced, let, let's face it, they faced a good football team in the Ottawa Red Blacks who clearly wanted it more um, and were very, very hungry. And they remember what happened in the Grey Cup last year. So that's, that's yeah. probably my short answer. Well, they lost some playmakers on defense. You know, it seemed like they were always swimming upstream all season long, you know? Yeah. And I think it came back to haunt them. So, um, you know, I think that uh, if they can improve on a couple spots on D, get some more playmakers on defense. Yeah, uh, I, I agree yeah, with you. Uh, you know, there could be a different, different result moving forward for the football team. But, uh, you know, bottom line is uh, they still had a pretty good year. Yeah. But I think that that was a game that, they get a better start they win that football game yep and i it's think it's got to be frustrating to all those guys i think you're right and their best players you know we say it all all the time in sports your best players have to be your best players and you know Darrell walker was targeted 12 times and only caught six passes bowman was targeted eight times he he only caught three passes brandon zilster yeah. was targeted six times he only caught three passes and you look on the other side of the fence the uh I, I don't have the numbers but i can tell you i've read them i don't have them in front of me but the catch ratio for the red blacks was out of this world in tough conditions so one team handled the conditions better than the other, and um, Ed Hervey said this on Monday at the uh, the, the closing media available for the twenty six uh, availability for the twenty sixteen season. We sacrificed a little bit on defense to have a better offense. There's no doubt their offense was pretty good this year, but yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think uh, if they can find a couple more cover guys, I think they're going to be a much better defense than they were this year. Yeah, there's you know, I mean, the one thing I will say is that the uh, the Red Blacks had a shorter passing game and the Eskimos I think tried to stretch the field vertically a lot more throws over the top and uh, I think that's part of the reason why you know they got the ball you know Ottawa got the ball in their playmakers hands and the Eskimos didn't have the same caliber of you know cover guys and they kept on missing tackles and lots of space and they just let Burris pick them apart early in the game and kind of set the tempo those things happen though. yeah for sure and I'll, I'll ask you this do you give the Red Blacks any sort of chance on Sunday against the no. Stampeders no <laughs> there was one team that could beat the Stampeders in one game this year yeah and they wouldn't be a politician free, but it, your ideas should be the primary thing so, that there you go. your opponents That's focus on and all right we got some foreign audio going on here so just one second. Okay, that's gone now. It's always good when you get the, the, the old foreign audio. So anyway, uh, I can hear you now, and uh, that's the only thing I want to hear right now. So I want to hear about this Oiler team that has won three, uh, three straight, and, uh, you know, they really turn it around quickly in a, in a very good performance against the Dallas Stars last week. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid has been lights out during this streak. He's been lights out all season. But uh, what are the factors, you think, in this three-game winning streak? You there, Bob? Uh, reverb coming back to uh, And then Chicago, you know, on the long road trip, seven games. I think that I think the Oilers are a better team than some of the teams realize. Uh, there are backed up to play Connor McDavid, but McDavid's clearly a factor. Getting Chris back on defense helps. Getting Drake Kajula in the lineup, give him a little bit of offense down the lineup. And, you know, we're starting to right side of all have good games. So, 
they're scoring, they're generating losses, but they got to keep it going in Arizona. All right, Matt, can you check on the cell reception? We're not getting great cell reception from Bob right now. But uh, to paraphrase, obviously, Connor McDavid's playing well. Drake Kajula has brought a little bit more scoring punch in the bottom of, of the lineup. And there's no doubt that they have to keep this going against the Arizona Coyotes and um, against the worst team in the, in the Western Conference. you you got to keep the role going. We're going to try and get a, a, a better cell reception for uh, Bob Stoffer. Uh, I do want to talk to Bob about Milan Lucic, who had four points last night. So that kind of helps people who are upset about the play of Milan Lucic uh, kind of quiet down a bit. Uh, this is what Todd McClellan said about Lucic. Oh, just one second here. All right, we're ready to go now. What did McClellan say about Lucic? Yeah, you know, he's had a lot of chances, and you got to give him credit for that. Eventually, they're going to start going in. I think he was a little frustrated after the uh, two-on-one in the second period, I believe. Uh, but he stuck with it and uh, bullied his way to the net, found a rebound, and it became a, a very big and important goal for us. So I thought he had a good night. He did have a good night. And if you want to check out, uh, I thought it was a really great blog, as it always is, uh, anything that Reed Wilkins produces. Um, he talked a lot about Milan Lucic and the value that you just can't measure on a stat sheet you just can't measure on an analytics page that there's intangibles that you just can't measure with Milan Lucic and that is his presence in the room uh Sean says Dave these analytics guys are missing the point I have read Moneyball and it works sometimes but because of the nature of hockey uh, it does not emotional engagement is more than simple numbers and that is from Sean you know Tom McClellan said I test first and analytics second. And uh, Bob Stoffer, uh, we rejoin him from Arizona. Hey, Bob. Hey, I'm now in the uh, back of a, a vehicle with Mark Siamp on Uber, but we are uh, no longer in the hotel, so the audio quality should be better. Very uh, yeah. very good. Very Chris good. Chris Russell, I mean, there's no way to really equate. Uh, I mean, how do you gauge analytics? The same thing goes with Lucic. I mean, McDavid had a quote last night after the game saying, you know, it doesn't matter if he scores points. There's a lot of other things that Milan's come in and done. You know, he's he knows how to win, and he provides the team with obviously an intimidating force up front. And yeah, he was struggling a bit offensively and got off the side last night in a big way of four points. And in Russell's case, he fronts pucks effectively. Uh, he can uh, get the transition going the other way. He's surprisingly competitive for his size. He settles Andre Sakara down, and it means that Darnell Nurse and Matt Benning play in the right slot, which is 16 to 18 minutes a game. So that's what they've got going on in the back end certainly with Chris Russell coming back in the lineup. It would not surprise me, Dave, if tomorrow, uh, you know, both Benoit Pouliot and uh, Mark Letestu are back in. I think that uh, this is a father's trip for the players, and I think they want to deploy those guys, and then maybe a guy like Slepeshev comes out for a game and they get Pouliot in for sure in the top nine. But they gotta they got to come prepared to have their hard hats on. Arizona is the last place team. The Oilers have taken a step forward this year. doesn't matter. They have struggled here in the Valley of the Sun in a dreadful way. 23 straight games, Dave. The Arizona Coyotes have got points against the Evans Oilers. And if the Oilers make any headway here in the Pacific Division, it has to end starting tomorrow night. It doesn't matter what type of Oiler team or what type of Coyotes team um, is, you know, when these two teams get together, Dave Tippett always finds a way to make it really frustrating for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, when Craig McTavish was uh, first the coach and, and later the general manager, he had an immense amount of respect for Dave Tippett. 
I actually think Arizona's going through a real transition here. I mean, Dave's got a lot more power now, and that was part of what happened uh, with Don Maloney. Uh, you know, is, and Don's now working for the Calgary Flames uh, for Brad Trelleving. And uh, so, but, you know, t- no, so Tippett is, uh, we're just going to a restaurant here. Okay. Uh, but uh, Tippett <laughs> is in a situation where they have gone with a bit of a youth movement, and so they have some challenges up front. They're not as good down the middle. Okay. All right. I think we're going to end it here. Okay. Bob Stoffer, we thank you for his time. Uh, Bob's on the move tonight, a uh, little American Thanksgiving celebrations, but we, we appreciate Bob's uh, time here tonight. And yeah, he's right. He's right. Uh, the Coyotes have been big-time kryptonite for the Edmonton Oilers. Just the way Dave Tippett coaches his team, um, just so much suffocation, so much structure that the Oilers are not able to get through it and not play the type of game that they wanted to play. Now, I'm really interested to see how this team, the way it's constructed now, because it's not just speed, 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 skill, 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 skill. There's a lot more structure on this team with Todd McClellan as the head coach. And there's a lot more structure with this team now that it's a bigger lineup, it's a heavier team, um, still with some skill and still with some speed, obviously, with you know 97 leading the way. But can this team play that grittier style against the Coyotes, and will that make a difference? Because the Coyotes, they, I mean, they just, they structure you, they, they just suffocate you. If you're a member of the Edmonton Oilers, they're capable of it. So, but this is a different team as well on the other side of the, uh, other side of the ice. This is a Coyotes team that is uh, not the same team that they once were. And they're going through, as Bob said, a little bit of a little bit of a transition phase in their um, in their current hockey club and in their structure and how they're trying to move forward and be a better hockey team. And I think the point that that I think I would like to make off of what he's what Bob said about Chris Russell and Connor McDavid or uh, Milan Lucic is the intangibles you cannot measure on a stat sheet or on an analytics page is the fact they're both calming influences. And they put people in the right spot. So Benoit Pouliot coming back in the lineup will be interesting. Um, I know a lot of the analytics people say that Pouliot has a lot of value on the ice with, uh, you know, whatever numbers you're going to use. I don't understand hockey analytics one bit. I will, I will, I will, I will not sit here and and tell you I understand what the what all this stuff means you need a phd or what i don't get it i i i go on an analytics page and i i see all these numbers and i go i don't get it this looks like algebra or this looks like some math quiz that i didn't do very well in. why do you think i'm in radio because i wasn't a math genius that's why <laughs> well, not necessarily a math genius i just I couldn't do math, so that's why I'm in radio. So, um, But what Penwapuliat Pouliot does is drive you nuts with the penalties, drive you nuts with some of the play that doesn't look very, you know, much like desired hockey from him. And I think we're seeing that a lot more from Milan Lucic, a lot more, and from a Chris Russell. And often, sometimes you just need a couple of those guys in your lineup to do that and to inject that type of desire. And Lucic is having trouble 
you know, on the stat sheet, but maybe he's never going to be a guy that's going to be a 65-point player. Maybe we're going to have to live with, you're going to have to live with, we're all going to have to live with, maybe he's a 50- to 55-point player, and he's a 20-goal scorer. Maybe that's all we're going to ever get from Milan Lucic. Maybe one year we'll get a 25-goal season, a 28-goal season, a 60-point season. You know, Chris Russell is not going to be a 50-point D-man. But we've seen a lot more calmness, a lot more structure, a lot more steadying influences on the Oilers. And Russell and Lucic have been uh, two of those uh, that are big-time factors in those categories maybe not necessarily on the analytics page. 721, thanks uh, for Bob's time down there in Arizona. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And uh, for anyone listening that's from the States, that's from the, from good old America, happy Thanksgiving to you if you're listening. And, uh, hey, I hope you're enjoying a good day. Uh, 722, back with more in a moment. Solomon Elamimian of the BC Lions is the most outstanding defensive player. 129 defensive tackles tops in the league second most in his cfl career so just to uh recap davaris daniels receiver for the calgary stampeders most outstanding rookie left tackle for the stampeders Derek dennis most outstanding offensive lineman justin medlock who kicked a cfl record 60 field goals for the winnipeg blue bombers most outstanding special teams player solomon elamimian just named most outstanding defensive player we'll head to gray cup 104 in toronto and hear from Arashman Downey next on Inside Sports. Hi, this is Jay Onright from FS1 or from Athabasca. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chip. <laughs> 733, thank you, Jay. It's Campbell in for Wilkins tonight, Reed and Lloyd Minster. At a uh, Spaghetti fundraiser. He's uh, one of two guest speakers tonight. Uh, Barry Stafford, longtime em- equipment manager for the Oilers, uh, is the keynote speaker. And uh, as Reed said earlier in the show, we had him on just after six o'clock. Because I'm like, what are you doing in Lloyd, man? I knew you were going to Lloyd. Um, I knew he worked in Lloyd for a while. But what are you there for? Uh, and Reed is the, uh, as he says, the warm-up band. So uh, it's a fundraiser for the AAA midget hockey team. So good on Reed for doing that. Uh, he'll be back in this chair tomorrow as the Oilers take on the Arizona Coyotes looking for their fourth straight win. 5.30 is the face-off show, 7 o'clock, the drop of the puck from the Gila River, River Arena. Let's do a quick scoreboard update. NFL tonight, 21-7. Pittsburgh Steelers over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Detroit Lions, fourth or seventh fourth quarter comeback this season. They win 16-13 over the Minnesota Vikings. Dallas Cowboys improved to 10-1. What a game against the Washington Redskins. It was a tremendous game, 31-26. National Hockey League, just two games tonight because of American Thanksgiving. Uh, Max Pacioretty, his fifth goal of the season, 14 seconds into the third period. And the Canadians are up on the Hurricanes by a score of 2-1 early in the third period. Early in the third period in Ottawa, Bruins and Sens are tied at one. Brian Hall down at Grey Cup 104 in Toronto with uh, Grey Cup reports for Shipper Supply and Crystal Glass. Hear him tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. And the big show... Break up Saturday, 1 until 3, right here on 6.30. Ched, nine and a half underdogs are the Ottawa Red Blacks. In defensive back for the Red Blacks, Abdul Kaneh 
says he's fine with that. Like they say, playoff is win or go home. So you could be 13-0, you could be 21-0, you could be 100-0, or you could be 2-11. If you make it here, you make it here. There's a reason why you made it here. So it's all about that next game. Whatever you did in the past don't matter no more. Brad Sinopoli, one of four 1,000-yard receivers on the Ottawa Red Blacks this season who finished the year 8-9-1, and one, which was good enough for first place in a very, very weak Eastern Division, says doesn't matter now. We just knew that we wanted to get... Get into the playoffs, you know, position ourselves for that, and uh, and then from there it's it's sudden death fo- uh, football. So, you know, we understand if we just play our best football in those games, um, you know, it, it, we would succeed. And, and now here we are in the Great Cup. Jerome Messam, oh Jerome Messam, 31 years old, leading rusher in the CFL this season says, oh what if we win? What is that going to mean? 15-2-1 in the regular season and to win a Great Cup. If we win the Great Cup, I think we'll still be the best team ever to win it. So it means a lot to us, you know. Sucks that we couldn't beat Montreal that last home game, I mean that last regular season game. But um, we're in the playoffs now. We're, uh, we're rolling hot, and hopefully we can get this, um, we can seal the deal on Sunday. Let's head down to Toronto, the site of Great Cup 104. Arash Madani of Sportsnet joining us. Arash, uh, thanks for your time. First off, buddy, uh, sorry about your Vikings losing today. Uh, Sammy Bradford, just breaking my heart, David. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, how many games has have the Vikings lost since, uh, what, they were 5-0 and at one point, right? Yeah, they, they were 5-0. and 5-0, and now 6-5. and In the last three weeks, they... I don't want to talk about it. Okay, all right. I'm trying to keep my blood pressure low. I'm doing my doctor a favor here. I'm doing myself a favor here. All right, we'll we'll move on. Uh, of course, Thanksgiving Day in the in the states is always a fun day uh, because you got back to back to back. You got a triple header of NFL action. That's always fun. It's right smack dab in the middle of Grey Cup week. Uh, you're in Toronto, Grey Cup 104, BMO Field. The Calgary Stampeders and the Ottawa Red Blacks kick off uh, 4:30 Edmonton time, 6:30 uh, local time. Um, what's the buzz like, Arash? Well, there isn't much of one, Dave, and we didn't expect there to be one. I mean, there wasn't for the Argos all year, and there there isn't for this thing. But, you know, that's I'll give you this. It's two veteran Calgary and Ottawa teams because they're not deterred by any of it. I mean, I guess teams don't come to Grey Cup Week for buzz and, and hysteria and fun. They come here to win a football game. But... This is not a Grey Cup town at all. It never will be. There is nothing that can make Toronto a Grey Cup city. But this one of the three since, this is now the third since 2007, Mm. this is by far the quietest and off the radar of them all. And it makes you wonder when's the next time the the city of Toronto is going to get a Grey Cup. It's probably, you probably think it's reasonable to consider it's going to be quite a while. Or not. Why? I don't know. I don't know because there's Let's look at this. Yeah. We, we can say buzz and this and that, but Dave, who runs the league? The people who run the league are the television rights holders. Very true. Who pay all the money to make this to make the teams the money, to give the teams the money that, that runs this thing. Right? So that's Bell and TSN. Well, the owners of the Argonauts <laughs> are Bell and Larry Tannenbaum. And if this ownership group which is tied into the 40 or so million dollars that that is dispersed every year in TV revenue. If they eventually want another championship game, they'll get one. What's stopping them? Who is stopping them? Who is they? The, the league has, you know, tied themselves into this whole thing. So 
when they want their next one, they'll get their next one. Well, I did. I did hear, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll bring his name up. Uh, Dave Naylor uh, did men- yeah. did mention that it probably will be quite a while before the Argos get another great cup. So maybe there's some inside info there, Arash. I don't know. Yeah, he... <laughs> well, this is their third since 07. Yeah. And they got this great cup because it was tied into the purchase of the team by Bell and Tannenbaum from David Braley. But the bottom line, Dave, is this organization was not equipped to be hosting one. They shouldn't have hosted one mm-hmm. this quickly. You know, in 2012, they hit lightning in a bottle when you think about it. First of all, not only was the weather great, that's a minor point. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that little idea, remember when all our colleagues were standing outside on a sidewalk in New York City for three or four months? Yep. That whole NHL lockout was going on, mm-hmm. and there was zero else happening here? Yep. That, in large part, is why 2012 got off, plus it was the 100th, plus the Argos happened to get in, plus, plus, plus. They, they hit all their check marks. So it's like somebody, at the, somebody in Vegas just hitting one parlay after another. That's not sustainable. It's not going to happen. And now, you know, a buddy of mine who was at, there actually are Argo season ticket holders. Dave, one exists, a friend of mine. He sends me a text today with a picture of a pizza pizza promotion. He says, man, am I a sucker or what? I paid a regular full price ticket only to have the organizing committee slash the ticket prices, only to now see that I can buy a pizza and wings and a couple of, couple of Cokes and, and Sprites. And I could have got a pair of tickets for twenty nine ninety nine and thirty bucks and two tipping sauces. Don't forget the two well, tipping sauces. Well, right. And so, <laughs> so I replied. You know, I thought it was a joke in the beginning, and then when I found out it was legit and tweeted about it, somebody replied back on Twitter and said, "Well, can you just keep the tickets and give me a couple more dipping sauces and an extra topping on my pizza?" <laughs> and, and that's what this has turned into, Dave. Yeah. And they just shouldn't have gotten it to begin with, but. CFL politics being what it is, you know, explain to me how Hamilton hasn't had a great cup in 20 years, but mm-hmm. Toronto, the worst CFL market, has had three now since 2007. How BC has had three in the last five. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, David Braley and his buddies and, you know, the whole Toronto scene. So, you know, it's it's the same old circus and the same old song and dance. Yeah, we're joined by Arash Bandani from Rod, from uh, Sportsnet uh, down in Toronto, Great Cup 104, uh, which goes Sunday afternoon, 4.30 Edmonton time between the Calgary Stampeders and the Ottawa Red Blacks. It's funny you mentioned that, you know, th- there's there's uh, no way that this game should have been hosted by the Argos. And, in fact, when uh, Morley and I were down in Toronto in uh, mid-August, uh, for the Eskimos yeah. game down there, a uh, member of the Argos staff actually admitted to both of us that, yeah, we should never have taken this project on. It was too much. That being right. said, it's been uh, it's been reported that there's less than 2,000 tickets left for the game, uh, that the upsurge uh, from uh, Ottawa Red Blacks fans, and that in fact there is an Ontario team represented, kind of helped in the fe- helped in the in the ticket sales. So. Um, I wonder tomorrow if... I don't buy it. You don't buy I it? I don't buy it. No? No. Dave, I spoke with... I was at the West Final at McMahon Stadium on Sunday. Yeah. The league official told me our best-case scenario right now is that we have 10,000 tickets left. Now, what I've been told is that that every staff member at Bell received an email basically being offered two tickets. Ooh. This organizing committee and this, this league knows exactly what's happening here. They cannot have a scenario on Sunday, Dave, where they're going to 
play a championship game on their own air in front of an empty stadium right. where there are going to be seven, 8,000, 9,000 seats. So, you know, as somebody who, who I trust who works in the industry said, they're not papering the house, they're dumping tickets into the house. And they have to. When they do that overhead shot, they can't have sections wide open. You're right. And, and listen, it's no, now the pizza, pizza promotion, the league made a stop, put a stop to it, et cetera. There's, there's, this is no surprise. There, there are going to be, if you go to stuff, this is, this is the measure of any sporting event, Dave, or any concert or any entertainment deal. Go to StubHub the day of the game and see what you can get yourself into. Mm-hmm. Go to that event for. And there will be pairs of tickets that people will get for under $20, $25 each. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the reality. And there's going to be a spin and there's going to be nonsense. They're going to announce the sellout. Dave, I'll tell you how this works. I'm the PR guy in Ottawa in 04. We hosted the Great Cup. We made up the attendance number. <laughs> About a week, two weeks out, the CEO called me and said, we have to come up with a, with a total attendance for this game. He, he said, find out what Saskatchewan had last year in 03. And so we jacked the number by, you know, 1,000 or so and said that's the official attendance. And... You know, every day media called, and on Monday we said tickets are being sold, and Tuesday we said tickets, you know, there's a, there's a big surge now, Toronto's coming, and people are excited about Damon Allen. And then on Thursday or the Friday, we announced the sellout while still selling tickets, just like Winnipeg did last year. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg announced the sellout last year at Investment Group Field, and yet you could go an hour or two later and get six great seats to that, to that Edmonton-Ottawa championship game but but so this is just all an optic thing. This is not a reality thing. Creative accounting. Something like that. Something like that, right. Uh, we're joined by Arash Vandani from Sportsnet, who's uh, covering Grey Cup 104 down in Toronto. So the commissioner is going to speak tomorrow, Jeffrey Origin. I, uh, as you were, uh, was in the room in Winnipeg at the uh, Fairmont Hotel listening to the uh, first-ever press conference from Jeffrey Origin. We all kind of left with, uh, like, we, you know, had lemon in our mouths and went, Ew. Um So I, I remember saying, let's wait a year. Let, let's, see, let's see how Jeffrey Orridge is a year later. So here we are a year later. What's the state of the league as far as you're concerned, Arash? Well, I mean, it depends on how you're going to approach this and, and what, you know, what's important. They're, they're going to trump, trump out. Sorry, I guess we shouldn't use the word trump anymore. <laughs> they're they're going to they're gonna pound their chest and say television ratings are up and their target audiences. Well, they, TV audiences from 2014 to 2015 went down somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 19%, depending on English, French, and how you want to look at it. Now TV audiences from 15 to 16 are up 5%, and they're proud of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wasn't a math major, but that still, to me, doesn't show significant growth. The other issues, among them, you have a commissioner that suspended a player for making contact with a coach, and then a coach makes contact with a referee, and he's not suspended. Where's the consistency? You have a commissioner who's making things up as he goes along. When Noel Thorpe wanted to come to Edmonton to be the defensive coordinator for Jason Moss, and suddenly they just put a new policy up on the fly. The draft situation, Alex Singleton, who's turned into one of the premier picks in the 2016 draft was on Ottawa's necklace as an American. And it wasn't until, you know, just months before that, really weeks before that he was, that he was deemed a Canadian. 
I mean, the, the issue is to find Adam Big Hill for going after Mike Riley when in reality it was the Edmonton offensive lineman, Simeon Rotier, who by rule committed an illegal act, a penalty, wasn't called a penalty on the field. Rotier pushed Big Hill into, into Riley, and they fine Big Hill. So there are so many inconsistencies, and this, you know, this says nothing to the fact that Toronto is a disaster, the replay review situation is a disaster. You know, there, there are serious issues facing them right now, and instead of wanting to address them, Dave, you know how these things go. Mm-hmm. They get very defensive, and they spin, and they spin. Jeffrey Orridge is going to have five or six bullet points that he's going to keep referring to. And whenever somebody brings up this great cup, he's going to say, well, we're, we're close to a sellout and, and the rest of it. So you just wish you could get some transparency and some honesty, but with this league, it, it's, it's been difficult to get there. Yeah. Uh, the game itself, the Red Blacks, who are massive underdogs against the heavy favorites, the Calgary Stampeders. We've seen it before in the great cup where you do see a major upset. In fact, we had Heck Pache on the show uh, a couple days ago, and he was part of a team that was a heavy favorite in the Eskimos in 1986, get pummeled by a team that was a heavy underdog in the, in the Hamilton Tiger Cats. On a scale of 1 to 10, what are the chances we see an upset here by the Red Blacks? I don't know about an upset, but I actually think we're going to have a decent football game. I, I think we have a chance of getting a better football game than a lot of people think. Uh, I... I don't buy into too, too much that snow being the only reason that Edmonton lost to Ottawa. And I don't see this Grey Cup being like the West Final, where the Stamps just ran the BC Lions out of the gym. There's, you know, I, I understand that Ottawa only got its ninth win in the East Final, and I understand the Stamps are a juggernaut. But if you think back to the last couple of Grey Cups, you and I talked at the Press box and investors group field. I thought Edmonton was going to roll all over Ottawa. The year before, I thought the Stamps were going to roll all over the Tiger Cats. That's a pretty good football team. They have four 1,000 yard receivers. You know, this, uh, they're, they're going to run their wide receiver screens. They're going to throw a lot of stuff underneath. You know, Calgary's going to try and limit the deep ball, but, but Ottawa can beat you in a lot of different ways offensively. The most important thing in this football game, Dave, is that Henry Burris has got to get the ball out. The Stamps have two great pass rushers, as you know. Their edge guys, Cordero Law and Charleston Hughes, will come at you. And Henry can't even hold on the ball for an extra half tick too long. Mm -hmm. That's why he's the guy now, not Trevor Harris. Henry's the guy who can recognize and read, do his pre-snap reads, and see what what he's seeing a little bit better than Harris, just with the experience. So I I don't know about an upset, but I actually think we're going to get a better football game than a lot of people are in. Are anticipating and I certainly hope you are right my friend because uh, I think this has the makings of being a very good football game so Arash as always my friend good to chat with you and uh, enjoy the rest of the week all right Dave thanks man Arash Bendani from Sportsnet down at Grey Cup 104 you know who else is down at Grey Cup 104 Brian Hall who will be around tomorrow morning afternoon Saturday one to three for his Grey Cup special and it's all brought to you by Shipper Supply and Crystal Glass. 7.50, back to wrap in a moment. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. So uh, CFL Awards going on down in Toronto. Shaw CFL Awards. Dave Dickinson has just been named Coach of the Year. Duh. 15-2-1 in his rookie season. 
He won 72 of 73 first place votes. Who in the heck voted for Rick Campbell? Are you telling me Bo Levi Mitchell won't get unanimous choice tonight? He should. No one should vote for Ernest Jackson. Great year with the Ottawa uh, Red Blacks, but outstanding year Bo Levi Mitchell had. I know some of you are saying Mike Riley should have been the MOP candidate. Uh, I think MOP and MVP get confused. Um, most outstanding player, I don't know. I thought about it long and hard, too. Should I go Mike, Mike Riley or should I go Bo Levi Mitchell? I picked on wins. I picked wins. He won 14 straight as a starting quarterback this year. That's a record. So to me, I, that's, that's how I voted. Uh, I love this text. Dave, is there anyone who believes Bo Levi Mitchell won't win? I just don't like Calgary, but come on. Okay, I hate Calgary. But a player is a player, and he's great. Mike's time will come. P.S. Not enough Halsey. You get Halsey tomorrow morning. Get Halsey tomorrow afternoon. Get Halsey for two hours on Saturday. Yeah, that's a good point. James says, mark my words, Great Cup will be back in Toronto in less than five years. Yeah, could be right. Could be right. Scoreboard update. Pittsburgh leading Indianapolis. Late in the second quarter, 21-7. Steelers out in front. Detroit with a 16-13 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Dallas Cowboys improving to 10-1. 31-26 over the Washington Redskins. 3-1 Senators lead the Bruins late in the third. And late in the third, it is the Canadians with a 2-1 lead over the Carolina Hurricanes. Oilers and Coyotes tomorrow. Right here on 6.30 Chat. Face-off show begins at 5.30. The drop of the puck will be at 7 o'clock from the Gila River Arena. Reed Wilkins will be back along with Rob Brown, Jack Michaels, and Bob Stoffer with the call from Glendale, Arizona. Thanks to studio producer Matt Panasiak. Thanks to you for listening. Your text. News is next from the 630 Chet 24-hour news center with Mark Wolven. Then it's Charles Adler. Good night. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.